0: We continue our focus on who are we finding our collective identity in Christ. Our main text will come from First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2 beginning with verse 9. First Peter chapter 2 beginning with verse 9. Peter says these words, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war Against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. From this text, I want to speak to you on the title, We Are Royalty. We Are Royalty. God, I pray that this would be your message, that ultimately you will be speaking and I would just be the vehicle, the vessel you've decided to use to say what you want to say to these, your beloved children, my sisters and brothers. God, I desire to be obedient to your words, so please let it be done. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We are royalty. There seems to be a fascination with royalty. Oh, to be king or queen for a day, to know what it's like to be royalty. We are fascinated with royalty to the degree that when Prince Harry and Meghan Markle were married, there were people that stayed up all night. There were people that oh, they got up at 3.30, 4 in the morning so they could watch this royal wedding, and we've paid attention to this royal couple. Now, they're they're not so royal now, and we're supposed to feel sorry for them because they had to leave the royal palace, and then they had to live in a mansion that Tyler Perry owned next to Oprah. Oprah Winfrey's house like talk about downsizing (laughs) now they have to have you know personal security provided by Tyler Perry and Oprah Winfrey instead of the royal security I mean life is rough for them right now we have this fascination with royalty Uh, my senior year in high school I ran for homecoming king yep And I thought I should win. I really did. I thought I should win. I I thought I had had done the things necessary to be popular enough, to be known enough, to be homecoming king at Minneapolis North Community High School in Minnesota. And I still remember that homecoming week. And right before that Friday, that that Friday before the football game, uh, we we had this like, you know, this this royal rally in the gymnasium of the school. And, And I and all the other candidates the potential king and queens of, of North High School. We processional down. And so I'm standing there next to Tony Jenkins and I'm standing next to uh, Roman Pierre and I'm standing next to some other guy, it doesn't even matter who he was. And, and, uh, and so and they, they do this thing where right before they decide who the homecoming king is gonna be, they like put the crown over each person's head. So like they would put it over my head. And then they put it over Roman's head. And then they put it over Tony's head. And then they put it over the kid that didn't matter. And then (laughs) they put it over my head again. And there were cheers. And then they put it over Roman's head. And there were cheers. And they put it over Tony's head. And there were cheers. And then they put it over my head. And then they placed it on Tony's head. And Tony Jenkins was the homecoming king, 1987, Minneapolis North Community High School. It, 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 you know, he's probably living a, a, just a life that doesn't even matter right now. And I just want you to know, I'm over this. Like, I'm not bitter about this. I'm not struggling with it at all. I'm only telling this story for biblical purposes. But, but so, so I'm not mad that I didn't make homecoming king, though I probably should have been. Uh, But, you know, the good thing is in Minnesota, they do another thing because it gets so cold during the winter. They have what's called snow days. It's like an alternative to homecoming, I guess. In the winter, I did win snow days king. So, I mean, I'm not bragging. I mean, you know, but I'm just letting you know that happened. (laughs) A fascination with royalty. Maybe since childhood. Maybe as a little boy, you you, you, you pretended to be the, the prince that saved the day. You pretended to be king. Maybe you played king of the mountain on the playground. Maybe as a little girl, you dressed up as a princess. You dressed up as a queen. You imagined what it would be like to be in a castle. You imagined what it would be like to save the day. You imagined what it would be like to be royal. Well, here's the good news. In Christ Jesus, we are all royalty, We are all heirs. In Christ Jesus we have access to citizenship in the eternal the everlasting kingdom of God. In Christ we are all royalty. We are loved by God. We are chosen by God. We are gifted by God. We are made in the image of God. We have an opportunity if we so choose to step into a royalty that will never end, a royalty that has authority, a royalty that has power, a royalty that has significance, a royalty that has empowering transformative purpose. In Christ, we are all royalty. Peter, in his life, he was on a journey understanding his own chosenness understanding his own royalty, understanding his own holiness, and he, he always didn't do a good job. I mean, when, 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 when Jesus first came on the scene, when he, when he met Jesus, when, I guess when Jesus came on his scene, uh, he was hoping, believing that this was going to be someone who was going to rise up and rally people uh, that were the descendants of Abraham, that were representative of, of Israel, and they were going to overthrow the Roman Empire. He was hoping that this Jesus... This, this king would, would would rally people like him, and they would overtake the earthly empire, but, but Jesus had different words and and, and these words weren't the, the words that, that Peter was was thinking uh, what was going to come from the mouth of Jesus. This was not the kind of kingdom, not the kind of movement that Peter initially had in mind and, and by the time Jesus was arrested and, and went to the cross. Uh, uh, I mean, mean, before Jesus dies, I mean, the words of Jesus come true on Peter's life. Peter denies Jesus. But then he has this wonderful opportunity to have a breakfast with Jesus, the resurrected Jesus to come back into relationship. He has an opportunity to to have a front row experience, a VIP experience in the gift that Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit coming upon the apostles. And and Peter gets an opportunity to preach like a sermon that ignites the Christian church. And, and, And thousands of people give their life to Jesus, and yet still he doesn't understand what it means to be a part of God's family to be royalty, to be a part of the kingdom of God. And, and, and in Acts uh, chapter 10, he has to receive this vision on, on a roof. He has to eat like a, a gecko uh, a sandwich. He has to eat a, a, a lizard po' boy so he would understand the significance of what it means to be a part of God's family. See, God kept expanding and expanding Peter's vision so that he would understand that it was beyond his earthly agenda it was beyond just the Jews a vision a community a kingdom for the Gentiles too for all that would claim Jesus Christ that that Peter would come to understand the words of Paul that in Christ there there is no Jew or Gentile there is no male or female slave or free we're all one in Christ Jesus we all have access to royalty in Christ Jesus God had to take Peter beyond simply seeing his people as exiles to seeing themselves as God's elect what happens when we see ourselves the way God sees us maybe we've had a journey like Peter Where we didn't totally get the mission that God is trying to bring our way. We actually saw ourselves below how God sees us. Do we allow the conditions, the situations we're going through? Do we allow the seasons, the times to press us below who God created us to be? Have you seen yourself as royalty lately? Satan treated Christ as though Christ was not royalty. Satan, in in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, actually tried to offer a kingdom to Jesus because it's like Satan couldn't, couldn't grasp who he was talking to. This is the king of kings. This is the Lord of lords. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior being offered something counterfeit something below who he is. We have to be careful today that we are not tricked by the enemy, that we don't allow Satan to tempt us into something counterfeit, something below our identity, something below our purpose, something below uh, our mission. We are royalty. How do we know this? Let's go back to the words of Peter. I just want to give you three brief points We are royalty because, one, in Christ we are made holy and royal. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 beginning with verse 4 says this, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy Priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In Christ, we are made holy and royal. In Christ, we are made new. We are born again. We go from a life of death to a life of abundant life. We are made new. We are saved. We are delivered in Christ Jesus. Not only are we made new, we are made holy We cannot produce holiness in our own power, in our own strength. There is nothing we can do to save ourselves from sin. There is nothing we can do to move ourselves away from the wrath of God. There is nothing we can do to make ourselves righteous and just before God. It's in Christ Jesus that this is possible that we are born again, we are made holy and righteous, and we are made royal. We, we are a part of God's kingdom. We are a part of God's family. If this is true, then who are we to be until Jesus returns? I heard an old preacher once say, when Jesus returns, this is ultimate justice. Yes, this is what you're talking about there. When Jesus returns, we will experience justice in full. This is ultimate justice, but until then, it's just us. God has decided that until Jesus returns, it is you and I collectively that can be a sneak preview of the coming kingdom. We can bring the kingdom of God to bear on a broken world. We can give little previews, little snippets. Yes, we will never experience full justice, full righteousness, full holiness until Jesus returns. But in the meantime, there's a remnant, there's a chosen people, there's a royal family, and you and I get to give a picture to a broken world of what this kingdom looks like. Jesus came into an upside-down world. Jesus came into a broken world, and and, and Jesus came and declared and demonstrated the kingdom of God, and Peter got a chance to experience this. He heard Jesus talk about the kingdom, he saw Jesus demonstrate the kingdom, and then Peter actually got a chance to participate in kingdom work. And 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 so th- th- Jesus gave us a picture of what this upside-down world could look like if it was turned right side up again. That's the kingdom of God, all things being set right forever, and you and I are part of this kingdom right now. Peter says that we are a spiritual house. This informs who we are collectively as the church. The church should be an embassy of the kingdom of God. The church should be an outpost of the kingdom of of God. The church should be the place where the saints are equipped, empowered and released to bring uh, uh, a preview of the kingdom of God wherever they are. At at your school, in your neighborhood, on your job with family members that don't know Jesus. You and I are royalty. We are representatives of the kingdom of God. This is why the church has to be careful to, to not look like it's representing the world uh, over above representing the kingdom of God. Even when we're in a part of the world that is pretty good, that is awesome, that is cool, we still have to be careful uh, uh to to make sure that that the church is not in captivity to the institutions, to the ideologies, to the structures of this broken, bizarro, upside-down world, but the church is liberated and free to express being an embassy of the kingdom of God. That the church is to be a force of God's will in the world, not a fortress of religion. You know, um, if, if, I, if I flew to England and, and, I, and I went up to Buckingham Palace and I just tried to go in there, if I just said, hey, how y'all doing? Yeah, I came down here to see, is Elizabeth here? Is Andrew and them here? Charles? Yeah, yeah tell Chuck, it's Ephraim. It's me, Lil Rev. hey. Hey, that's not going to work. It's a fortress. You can't get in there That is not going to work. I can't just walk up in there because it's a fortress. That's not the church, though. Church is all ye that would come, come. The broken, the paralyzed, the disillusioned, the doubters, the arrogant, the prideful, the stubborn, the addicted, all. And 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 what Jesus did is is he unleashed into the world as he was walking the earth this force of what the church should be about, going to the paralyzed, going to the blind, going to the left for dead, putting himself in proximity for the diseased woman to touch his clothes and be healed, to have lunch with a tax collector, to go to Samaria and sit down at a well and look up at a marginalized, subordinated Samaritan woman and see her liberated into a life of evangelism and discipleship. This is Jesus. He's unleashing the kingdom of God in a broken world and this is what the church should be today without compromise an unleashing of God's kingdom in a broken world we are not a fortress we are a force you don't have to say amen but if you feel like it at any time but I mean I ain't trying to force you I mean I'm just I counted the amens you gave Daryl I'm just saying I... <laughs> point one we are royalty because in Christ we are made holy and royal Point two, we are royalty because in Christ, we are not of this world. We are not of this world. Uh, uh, John, uh, the one that believed God loved him the most, <laughs> wrote about this in, 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 in John chapter 17 of, of Christ praying a prayer that, that his followers would be in the world but not of the world. Uh, Peter uh, kind of gives his take On this in 1st Peter chapter 2 verse 9 where I started this message but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light once you were not a people but now you are the people of God once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy dear friends I urge you As foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul, live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. There's some interesting verses that follow this. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor the emperor. I'm going to get to that part, but let me go back to to verses 9 through 12 first, we are people of God, not people of this world. We are described by Peter as foreigners and exiles. And we still today need to figure out what it means to live as foreigners, as exiles, as refugees. And we have to live as an otherworldly people in this world. Now, let me be clear. I love living in the United States of America. Oh, I do. I do. I, I love living in the United States of America because I, I can go to Chicago. I can have deep dish pizza. I can go to Maryland and have some great crab cakes. Man, I can go down where my mama's from to Birmingham, Alabama. I can go down where my daddy's from in Monroe, Louisiana, and I can have a meal of fried catfish, collard greens, macaroni and cheese, yams, hot corn bread with honey and butter melted in the middle with a tall glass of sweet tea. You know, I just want to say in the name of Jesus, California doesn't do sweet tea right. There was some force, keeping California from doing sweet tea the way Louisiana and Alabama does sweet tea. And when I'm down south, I follow up that meal by with a bowl of warm peach cobbler with three scoops of vanilla bean ice cream melted off the side of the bowl. I hope when I'm a hundred years old, I eat that meal, fall asleep, wake up in glory, see Jesus. That's how I want to die. Love living in the United States of America. I love that we can gather in this country and we can worship Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and not worry about being arrested. I love that in this country, you can take an idea and you can turn that idea into a product and you can turn that product into a business and you can participate in a free market enterprise system. I love this. I love that we have freedoms, that I have grandparents and, and, and great uncles and aunts that fought uh, and, 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 and was served in the military to defend those freedoms. I love that. I love that I get a vote, that I'm not just sitting under a dictator, but like every so hour. like I get to participate in a system of democracy with all that that I love I gotta break some news to you one day we're gonna stand before Jesus Christ we're gonna stand before the creator of the universe and he's not gonna want to know how great of an American we were but the conversation is gonna be how great of a citizen of the kingdom of God we were in America and so there's this tension that we have to live in that man i'd I live in a nation that gives me such Liberty and freedom. I know there are people that are like nervous that this is going to be taken away and it's not going to be the case. And I'm just saying, look, if, if thousands of people, if hundreds of thousands of people could come to Christ in the first century, if, if, if all these churches could be planted in the first century, if all these people could be healed, if people could be raised from the dead in the first century when Christians were being crucified, crucified upside down, thrown in prison, stoned to death, beheaded crucified upside down burned on stakes then what are we complaining about in the United States of America like people like well it could get really bad for us they could take off I'm like you need to read the book of Acts I, I'm just saying, man, instead it, it, it of walking around going, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen in this country? Oh, my gosh, what are they doing to the church? Oh, my gosh, I got to wear a mask. Oh, my gosh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, they're taking my freedoms from me. That's time you could have been leading somebody to Jesus. That's time you could have been discipling somebody. That's time you could have been believing for healing for somebody. I'm just saying, read the New Testament and find your hallelujah, your rejoice, and find your place in the kingdom of God. You are a queen. You are a king. You are a child of the almighty king. You are an heir. There's an inheritance waiting for you. There is business for us to tend to as long as we have breath in our body because we are not of this world. And then Peter Tells these people to do something very interesting when he tells them that for the Lord's sake they should submit to every human authority this is what I found I'm not talking about y'all I'm talking about these other Christians again (laughs) what I have found is when the person is in authority that I like (laughs) I tell people they should submit to authority And when the people I don't like are in authority, I like telling people to resist authority. (laughs) Y'all are such mature Christians. You don't have this dilemma. This is, pray for me and these other Christians that aren't here. Now, we have to bring some balance to this text. We have to put this text in context because there's, there's some tension here. There's this tension here of being fully surrendered to the God of all authority and submitting to human authority. And the reason I say there's a tension here is because what Peter is telling them to do, they're actually going against it in some way. What do I mean by this? Well, Peter himself in the book of Acts was arrested for preaching Jesus. And they beat him a little bit, throw him in jail. And then they say to him, now you go and don't you do this no more. That's what the authorities told him. The authorities told Peter, you go now, but don't you preach this Jesus no more. And he said, I got to do what God, this is the urban version. This is the urban version. I got to do what God told me to do. I know that's that's the urban translation, what I just gave you. But that's basically what he said. So wait a minute. I thought he was supposed to submit to authority. What about when Moses went to the authority in Egypt and said, let my people go? There's this tension. This is why Peter goes on and says, live as free people. What he's saying is, live as people free in Christ, doing the will of God, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. That's the key line there. That's the key line. We are free in Christ to advance the kingdom of God. And sometimes that is going to put us in a position of resistance. But Jesus made it clear in the Beatitudes, in his teaching, which is called the Sermon on the Mount, he made it clear on what Christian resistance looks like. Christian resistance is full of love. This is why I prefer Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and a church-based, Christ-centered, nonviolent resistance to injustice than going, I want justice, and like throw something through a window. Because Christians are supposed to have a distinctive, otherworldly response of resistance to injustices that my brother already told us won't fully be solved until Jesus returns, but we can give a sneak preview. Yeah. That's what I loved. I, I had a chance to stand on the Edmund Pettus Bridge in, uh, that, that, that separates Selma, Alabama from Montgomery, Alabama. It's the scene of something called Bloody Sunday. It's the scene of when church folks praying and singing hymns for change and transformation were brutally beaten on that bridge. And they came back a few weeks later singing and praying again in the name of Jesus for transformation. So there is surrender to authority and there's also the all surrender to all authority who is God. And we have to figure out how to live in this tension. We have to figure out how to live like Moses, how to live like Esther, how to live like Paul, how to live like Peter. Finally, we are royalty because one, in Christ we are made holy and royal. Two, in Christ we are not of this world. And three, in Christ we are given kingdom authority. So you're not just a member of God's kingdom. You're not just royalty, but that royalty means something. Don't tell them, but like the royal family in England, they can't really do nothing. <laughs> like they got a nice gig. I mean, it's a cool gig. I mean, they get to live in, in the big palace. They get, to, they get to be on TV. You know, they, they get to go to nice cool stuff. I mean, they've got some wealth. I mean, they're doing good. I mean, but it's like what I'm trying to say is like, but they don't really have like real power. To be a part of God's kingdom, to have this kingdom authority, is to know that you have power. What do I mean by this? Let's go to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 9. Beginning with verse 35. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his 12 disciples, chapter 10, verse 1, to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Verse 6, it says, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those that have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Christ proclaims the kingdom. Christ demonstrates the kingdom. Christ gives us the authority of the kingdom. We have access to the kingdom of God. You and I. Sisters and brothers, let's live As God's royal family. You know, um, I have decided to ration how much I watch the news. Like I watch the news, but I put a limit on how much news I want to (laughs) watch. Because for the most part, the news is showing us a world in decline. And so we're, we, we hear reports about the climate. And man, you're just like, oh, my Lord. Okay, the, 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 the world's in decline. We see all the unrest, all the brokenness, all the dehumanizing, all the demonizing. Where is this world going? But yet there's a kingdom that's everlasting. That is not declining. That is catching momentum a kingdom that's advancing, a kingdom that's growing. What I'm saying is let us not be so overtaken by a world in decline that we don't catch the fire, the momentum, the opportunity to be a part of the everlasting kingdom of God right now. Amen.